It's a great chance for us to just stop and think about how amazing it can be when one person just says, you know what, I'm giving it all up. For whatever that cause might be, a very, very small percentage can make a huge, huge impact. And when I think about God, what kind of world do you want? I mean, when Jesus was born into this world, when God gave us his son, I think the one thing we can know is that was because God had a vision for the type of world that he wanted. And what was, I mean, we can look now and we understand that really what he's saying was, I want a world that actually looks like me. I want a world that's the word in the, in the Christian kind of teaching is redeemed. It means you buy something back from, because it was yours and you bring it back and now it's yours again. And God's saying, man, I so want the people that I love to be brought back into a relationship with me so I can give them this new heart so that the world could actually be a place where people love each other. We're not just, I so love the world that I give, but other people would say, we so love the world that we are going to give. See, God wanted to impact the world, and so that's what he did. And, um, and when I think about this, you guys, I, I know that sometimes we think about the world, and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't impact the world. And, but I know for me, I just stopped for a second. I thought, you know what? What if about your world? Like, let's start right here. Like, for me, I just thought, my world, like, let's start with me and Susie, just, just in my marriage. I want to, if you want to impact your marriage, be a husband who gives. If you want to be a, impact your marriage, be a wife who gives, who's thinking about how can I give to the other person. Then try that with your family. How about impacting just your family? Bring your kids into the picture <laughs> and imagine a culture in your home where everybody is saying, you know what, I'm going to give to the other person. Instead of what, I, we say this all the time, as soon as kids are born, their first word is mine. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's so na- in nature just to say, I'm going to think about me. And God is saying, no, but impact your world. Give instead. You know, so then you can expand that a little bit more and you go to the neighborhood you live in. And like our kids go to, you went to uh, elementary school. And so Susie's joined a committee that's actually getting the whole school now to be thinking about how, we, how the school can come together as families and go out into the community and start making a difference and a change. My, lo- my daughter, my uh, seven-year-old daughter, Ashlyn, is going to uh, play basketball. And so I'm like, you know what? Uh, if she's going to play, I want to make sure that it's a good experience. So, right, I want to impact her experience. So I'm going to coach. So I'm going to give my time into that thing so I can help make it a great experience. What kind of church do you want? What kind of church, you know, what, what kind of world do you want? But what kind of church do you want? What do you want K2, the church, to be like? Because the reality is, you guys, seriously, the reality is K2 is us. And K2, the church, is who we make it to be. So when we give to this place, then it becomes everything that God created it to be. What kind of world? See, there are worlds that we live in that we really can impact. And I couldn't help but stop and think about this very small percentage. Um, again, just thinking about how this church started. Um, was with Luther Ellis last night. He's the guy who gave me a call out of the blue. One guy. Called one guy. Said, hey, would you ever think about starting a church in, in Salt Lake City? And as soon as we felt like, you know what, I think this is what God wants us to do. 30 other people from our church join us. And what do they do? 30 people said, you know what, we're going to give our life to this. So they sold their homes and they quit their jobs and they left their families and moved across the country to give their life to start what we called at that time the K2 Project. <laughs> just a few of us just saying, okay, let's just see if this could come together. 
And then, with no publicity, nothing at all, 65 more people join us. So we have 100 people, and I can say this about these 100 people, every one of them gave everything they had to start this church. And now today, except on a snowy day, um, but on a normal Sunday, we're having 1,600 people show up at K2 the church because just one person called one person that 30 other people just said, well, let's give it a shot. Let's give our life to this. And I'm telling you, here's what God is doing because God wants to what? He wants to change the world. And so what he's looking for, he says his eyes are roaming the earth all the time, looking for those whose hearts are completely his so that he can empower them. So right now, today, I know this. He's looking at your heart. And he's saying, is your heart one that if I give to you, will you give what I give to you? Because I want to resource you to resource and impact the world. And that's when I get excited about this series because we're calling it Imagine. Now imagine with me, because I can tell you this, man, I never imagined that God was going to do with K2 what he's done before we started. Had no idea. But when I think of what he did with 100 people who said, God, we'll do anything. We'll give everything. On an average Sunday, there's a thousand adults who come to K2 the church. Can you imagine with me? What could God do if a thousand people said, God, we'll give you everything. Whatever you give us, we'll give. Can you imagine the impact that this church just right here, in the, in the whole valley, what is it, maybe around 2 million people right now? And we look at ourselves, well, we're only 1,000. You know what? If one person can change the world, what could 1,000 people do? See, this is when I start to get excited. And this is why I can't wait to teach you today why we believe that giving is so worth having a part of our life and why we value it here at K2. So I want to pray, okay? Because I want to make sure that we have a chance here right now, even for you, just to say, okay, God, I want to be one of those people. I want to join you in impacting the world because I think he'll speak to you today. He loves you, he knows you, and he wants, he has great plans for you. So let's pray, let's ask him to do that. God, um, man, we just, I'm just so glad. I've just, I loved this whole morning to have an opportunity now again to stop and remember how good you are. Thanks for loving the world. Thanks for loving every person in this room. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for giving us your son. Thanks for giving us Christmas. So Lord, I just want to pray now that you would do what only you can do. And that is give us a new heart, Lord. Give us your heart. Make us like you. Help us, God. Help us to whatever we need because you know what we all need. We all have our own issues, but God, you know what they are. And I just pray today that you might help us to see. May we really hear your voice and see. Give us that beautiful gift of the imagination to see what life could be like if we gave what we were given. I just pray you'd have your way in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys. So kind of what I want to do with that, I just want to share with you four things. You might want to write these down. Just four things that we believe at K2 The Church um, that help us to, to kind of really carry this vision uh, for giving. And uh, before I do, let me just share something that's really important that you need to understand. And that is that how you're living your life right now, how your relationships are going right now, 
with your kids or spouse or friends, how your, how your work life is going, how your spiritual life, how you are with your finances, which we're going to look at today, all that kind of stuff. Wherever you are right now in, this, uh, in your existence, you got there by the actions that you chose to take. Okay? You, you made decisions, and they, you acted on them, and they eventually have brought you to this place where you are in your relationships and your work and your finances and all that kind of stuff. And now other people have acted as well, and we intersect with each other and get pushed around. But um, what we need to understand is that every action that we take is moved by what we deeply believe. Okay? You have deep beliefs that you brought into your marriage. You have deep core beliefs about parenting, and so you act that way towards your children. You have, you have deep-seated beliefs about work, about church. Just, that's how we do. You believe something deeply, you act on that belief, and it produces the result of your life. So partly what we need to understand here is if we want to be a little bit different, because you can look back at your actions and go, I need to change my actions. Well, actually, no, you actually have to change what you believe <laughs> at the deepest core of your being. So that's kind of what I want to share with you today, because I think if we'll grasp a few of these things, it will change how we act, okay? Now, when we talk at K2 about why we love giving, we, we talk about it all. We, in fact, our value states, um, the, we, we value the impact of giving the best of our time, our talent, and our resources to God for his purposes. We value that. But I know last week they talked about the other value we have of being. We love, we value you discovering the being of who you are. So I know they talked quite a bit last week. If you weren't here, you can get the message and, and find out about the unique talents and the unique abilities that you should be giving to the world and to this place, to, the, to, to this church. So today, what I want to kind of focus on a little bit more is just kind of the financial aspect of, of what it means to give and why we want to be that way here at K2. All right? So here we go. Number one, first thing we believe. I've already hit on it hard, but here it is. We believe it's the very nature of God to give. We believe it's in God's nature to give. Okay, now, if you're a Christian in this place, what that means is Jesus said, you're my disciple, and what, you know, we don't use that word in, the, in our culture too much, but in that culture, if you were a disciple, what that meant was you followed that teacher because you wanted to be like him. That's just what it is. If you're a follower of Christ, what you're saying is, I, I am a follower because I actually want to be like you. <laughs> And so one of the things that we see when we look at Christ and when we look at God is he gives. Now, let me just, I just want to go through a list, real short list here um, of things that he gives us. They're all from the scripture, but they're awesome. Just, just bask in this, okay? I don't know how you're feeling today. Feeling a little low today. Feeling like God didn't love you too much today. I, just listen to this list straight from his word to you. He gives you rest for your soul. Man. I could use that. Rest for your soul. He gives strength to the weary. He gives power in your inner being. He strengthens you with power in your inner being. So much of the time in the core of who we are, we'll feel so fragile and we'll feel so weak. And, we'll, and he says, I can strengthen you with power in your inner being. And then Jesus says, I'll give you peace. And I love this one because he says, not as the world gives, because the world can give peace too. But then after it gives you the peace, it can rip you, the rug right off from beneath you, and then you lose your peace because you can have peace because, man, everything's going well, and then the next morning it's not going well, and then the peace is gone. So Jesus says, I don't give as the world gives. I give you my peace, 
and it transcends all understanding, and it transcends all circumstances of life. Then he says, I'll give you, I love this, he goes, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. Ultimately, I think that's what we all need. And God wants to give you a new heart. Then he says, I'll give you a task. I'll give you work. I'll give you a purpose. There's a reason that you're here, and I will give you that reason. Then he says, I'll give you wisdom generously. Anybody need some wisdom? And he says, man, if you lack wisdom, ask for it, and I'll give it to you generously. Romans 15, 5, one of my favorite verses. I pray this. When people come for prayer, usually it's because life is hard at that moment. I almost always find myself praying Romans 15, 5, because it says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement. And I love the fact that when you feel like you can't go on or when you're discouraged, that there's a God who gives endurance and he gives encouragement. And then he gives you everything you need for life and godliness. I love that too. Second Peter chapter one, everything you need. And then first Timothy, it says he gives us everything for our enjoyment. We're going to talk about that in January. Because this is one of the things I think that sometimes we don't think that God actually cares about our enjoyment. And yet he says, no, I want to give you everything for your enjoyment. And then he goes, I'll give you spiritual gifts. I will give you, and the, 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 the Bible calls them, it's really interesting, manifestations of the Spirit. So when you enter into a relationship with God, <clears throat> what he says is, I therefore am going to give you these gifts that are actually spiritual, that when you exercise them, when you use them, they are gifts that you bless everybody around you with. And every single one of you who receives Christ into your life has these gifts. And they're all unique. But what it means is you matter. Every one of you in this room, if you're a Christian, you are paramount to the full expression of what this church can be. Because God gives you gifts. And then it gets good. And then we've already, he gives you his son. He gives salvation. He gives eternal life. And he gives his very presence through the Holy Spirit. You guys, there's one thing that we believe here really deeply at K2. And that is the God we worship is a God who gives. And that is something you've got to believe if you're ever going to actually be a giver. Now, if that's something, if you were here at the very beginning of the series, we actually started off with our first value here at K2, which is supposed to be the first value. Anybody remember what our first value is? Okay, receiving. The most important thing, you guys, as a, as a human being, is you have to learn how to receive all that God has for you because what you can't give what you don't have. Does that make sense? Anybody want $100? Okay, you're not getting it from me because <clears throat> I don't have it. If I don't have it, I can't give it to you. And here's God saying, I want to give you all this stuff. So man, if you weren't here for the first message, go to our website or go to the podcast or whatever, download it <clears throat> and listen to how do I receive what God has for me? Because once you have it, now you can give it, okay? So the first thing we believe is that it's the very nature of God. Here's the second thing we believe. And this is the one um, that I think probably a lot of us don't believe. Now, I know I didn't for a long time as a Christian. And then once I got this, because here's the point, right? Once you believe something differently, it, com- will, it will completely change how you act. Okay, here's what we believe. We believe that all that we have, we've received from him. Okay, we believe 
that everything that we have, we've received from him. Now, this is huge. Because until that happens, you're going to think that everything you have is yours. And here's the question. Is it yours or is it his? And that changes everything. Let me take you to a quick story. In uh, 1 Chronicles 29, if you have your Bibles, you can look at that. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And um, it's a story of, of King David. Uh, he was the king of Israel. And uh, it's kind of near the end of his life. And David at this time, if you understand Israel history, um, God was really trying to help the Israelites understand something. And what he wanted them to know is, I'm with you. In fact, all through the Bible, you'll see this. God is constantly trying to help people understand, I'm with you. In fact, when he always tells people, don't be afraid, which is the number one, do you guys know that? The number one command used in scripture, as far as numerically, is don't be afraid. And then you know why he so he says, don't be afraid? Because I'm with you. So see, he wanted the Israelites to know, I'm with you. So the way he did that was, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you by a, a, a cloud during the day. I'm going to lead you by a pillar of fire at night. And then I'm actually going to give you this tabernacle. But it was a tent, literally. That's what it was. And the Israelites believed, God helped them to see, so that you know that I'm here, I'm just going to kind of manifest myself by you knowing that I'm in this tabernacle. It's a tent. Well, at the end of David's time, he looks around at all the other nations and all these other nations have gods too, and yet their gods have these really cool temples, you know? And they're big, and they're huge, and they're awesome. And David goes, hey, how come my god's like living in a tent? You know, is he like camp god or something, you know? He just, you know, he kind of comes around and moves around. He goes, and so he goes, you know what, man? You are so awesome. You, I want to build you a temple. And well, but God looks at him, and he says, well, David, listen, man, you have been a, what I would call a warrior king. He says, you've, you've shed a lot of blood and stuff, and so you're not the guy to actually build my temple. So, but your son will be. David's like, okay, but if I can't build it, I'm going to resource it. I'm going to make sure my son has everything he needs to build this temple. Okay, here we go. First Chronicles 29. And then what he says is this. David goes, I am going to give generously. I'll just start with verse 1. King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. And then he just goes through all the different stuff. And then in verse three, he says, besides in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasure. So he says, basically he was saying is, out of all the kingly treasures, all the treasures I have as a king, I'm giving all those. And out of my personal stuff, I'm going to give all those because my God is worth it. And then all the other leaders go, us too. And they jump in and it's awesome. And next thing you know, they just, their generosity is just huge and they have everything they need to do this. And here's what I want to read for you. And this is what we got to grapple with this morning. First Chronicles 29 verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. And he said this, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. Everything in heaven and earth, is yours. Okay, so just for a second, don't, just in your own mind, do you believe that? Do you believe that everything 
on heaven and earth is actually God's and that wealth and honor actually come from him. Because, can I just be honest, I mean, when, you, when I first was uh, kind of shown this, this verse and, and thought about this, I'm like, oh, wait a second. I mean, God didn't work for that money. I worked for that money. <laughs> Wouldn't you guys agree? I mean, didn't you the one who put the sweat and the blood and the tears and the time and the effort, and then you worked hard, and then you resourced yourself, and this is your stuff. Well, there's, there's this great verse in Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. It says this very thing. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. See, so he's saying even the physical ability, the intellectual capacity, the emotional, the personality, everything that we are, that we're knit together, even that. So I'm just telling you, so at K2, what we believe is that who I am, I mean, I didn't get to, you know, it's like when you go to the, the, the little salad and soup bar and you go, oh, you check the little boxes and I'll take this and this and this and this. You know, none of us got to sit down there and go, yeah, I'd like to be six foot two and weigh about 185 and have blonde hair, you know, and I'd like, to, I'd like to be an extrovert, you know, and I'd like to be really good in business. None of us got to do that. We just came out and here I am. See, who I am, God designed me to be. We believe that. Who I've received this. Now, what we do with it, right? You can sit there and do nothing and become nothing. See, we believe this, that everything we have, we've received from God. And just real quick, Jesus says the same thing. Just because sometimes you have to go to the New Testament and go, is this really true? And Jesus says this in Matthew 25. He goes, let me explain to you what the kingdom of God's like. He goes, it's the, he illustrated it by the story of a man who was going on a long trip. And this man is God. And he goes, he called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another. He gave one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And he left on a trip. And then at the end it says, and after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. See, so what Jesus, too, and what we believe as Christians is that Jesus was God come down in the flesh to say, let me reveal to you what's really true. And here's a little story to help you understand. I'm going to entrust you, since everything in heaven and earth is mine, I'm going to entrust you with my stuff. And then when it's all said and done, we're going to get together and I'll give you an account and we're going to settle accounts to see how you did. What did you do with my stuff? See, so the second thing we believe is that everything we have, we've received from God. Now, if that's true, then everything changes. Because it's not mine anymore. It's his. And that leads us to the third thing we believe, is that we believe that we're stewards and not owners. We believe we're stewards and not owners. Let me, let me give you a couple examples of how this works in our normal life. How many of you, uh, growing up, had your own room? Anybody have your own room? How many of you had that? All right, so it's an American thing. We love to have our own room. I didn't get my room until I was, uh, let's see, 10 years old. Uh, My brother was seven years older than me, and then when he finally moved on to college, I got to go upstairs and get his room, which now became my room, right? And as soon as it was my room, I did whatever I wanted with it, right? And so I changed the furniture, and I put all this funky stuff. I put posters up all over the walls, which is a really bad memory, 
remembering posters of uh, teenage boys. And I put all that stuff up and because this was mine. And then I had my stuff in my room because it was mine. And then my mom and dad could come to me and say, hey, Dave, grandma and grandpa are coming and they're going to stay in your room. Oh, okay. And then they could come at any time and say, hey, by the way, your stuff that's laying off of that floor, you need to pick it up and put it away and manage your stuff better. Now, as a kid, I listened to them. Why? Because it really wasn't my room. (laughs) Right? See, we say, well, it's my room. But in all honesty, it wasn't your room. You say it's ours, but it's not. And here's another example I heard somebody say. is just recently, I just got in the mail uh, my property tax. Anybody else get you that, what you owe on your property tax? See, every year the government likes to remind me that that, that land that you own, Nelson, you don't really own it. So can you, and if you think you own it, just don't pay your property tax, right? <laughs> and then what's going to happen? You're going to find out who actually owns it. See, we like to say, well, this is mine and this is ours, but whenever anybody else can legally come into a situation and take what is yours, it's not really yours. And what's amazing is we can lose our health in a moment. We can lose our lives in a moment. We can lose our money in a moment. It's not ours. It's his. It's his. And so when that happens, you guys, all of a sudden you realize, okay, I'm a steward. 1 Peter 4.10 puts it this way. God has given gifts to each one of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Now, here's, here's the deal, you guys. So <clears throat> as a, let me give you a definition. I, I, I listened to a guy this week, and he gave a definition of stewardship. It's this. It's protecting and growing the owner's assets with fierce intensity. Protecting and growing the owner's assets with fierce intensity. Now, how many of you um, have actually, because you had some resource, whether it was a little or a lot, doesn't matter, but you had some resources and you decided, you know what, I'd like to have somebody help me do this. So you sat down with a financial planner, somebody to manage your money. Anybody, how many of you guys have actually gone through that process? Okay, not very many of you. Okay, so when you do that, if you sit down with somebody, my, I have a buddy, Joe, and he's a good, really good friend of mine. So right before we were moving out to Salt Lake, he said, hey, Dave, let's sit down. He goes, I'd just love to help you, you know, see if I can get you established more for your future and think about your kid's college and all this kind of stuff. So Susie and I sat down, and, uh, and the first thing that'll happen when you sit down at a meeting with a financial planner, somebody who's going to manage your money, is they'll ask you a question. And the question's this, what are your goals? In fact, Joe actually told us, you need to come to the meeting with what your goals are with your money. Now, can you imagine sitting down with a financial planner and you sit down and the first thing he says is, hey, I just want to share with you what my goals are for your money. Now, what would you do? You would walk out the door and go find another financial planner (laughs) because you want somebody who's going to manage your money. It's not his money. And if he says, hey, I'm really glad that you put your money and investing it with us because my wife needs a new car and I'd really like, you know, you're like, you're not using my money to buy your wife a new car. No, when somebody manages your money, it is somebody that you're trusting to protect it and to grow it, is it fiercely? Because you're trusting them with your stuff. So what God says to us, you guys, is he's saying, listen, I'm asking you to be a planner. I'm asking you to be a manager with my resources. And you know what happens, you guys, when that happens? When, this, when you start to really grasp this, what you realize is 
you actually become way more responsible. Okay? Because when it's your own money, right? Can we, I mean, if we're just honest, there's probably a lot of us in this room who've been pretty irresponsible with our own money. <laughs> okay? We flippantly laid it around. We just kind of thrown it around. I want that. So you just do it. But if somebody else gave you their money and asked you to manage it, what are you going to do? You're going to be way more careful. You're going to be more responsible. This happened, if you, let me give you a couple just personal examples for me. The first one happened years ago when I was back at my other church. And this totally changed my thinking. I took a class called Crown Ministries. Anybody ever heard of Crown Ministries? Just a couple of you taking that. It's a, great, it's a great course, a great study, just to help you to see what the Bible says about money. Well, here's something I had always believed. I believe that 10% of everything that comes into my paycheck just goes to God. So uh, I would just do that. I've done that my whole life. Any, every paycheck I've ever received, 10% has just gone off the top, and then I just give it right to God. And then the 90% is all mine. <laughs> And I can do whatever I want with a 90. I'm like, that's a pretty good deal. God only wants one and I get nine. You know, who, who doesn't want that deal? Well, then as I read this, I finally realize, oh, wait a second. Actually, all of it is. Not just the 10%, the whole thing. Yes, I give 10% off immediately so God can do what he wants to impact the world. But then literally the other 90% that's mine is really mine to manage and to use as God wants with my life. You guys, that completely changed how I managed my money because I realized it was his and not just mine. Okay, the second thing that happened was about four or five years ago, Eric Winter, who's our director of operations and outreach here, and he's also been my best friend for years, um, he had the whole staff go through Financial Peace uh, University with Dave Ramsey. How many of you guys have done that? Any more Ramseyites out there? All right. <clears throat> and I can just tell you, when we were done taking that class, I was so angry at Eric. I mean, I just, anybody else angry at Dave Ramsey? Okay. I mean, just, you hate the guy when you get, no, no, but here's actually, here's why I was mad. Because I looked at Eric and I'm like, why didn't you have us do this about seven years earlier? Because I would have had so much more cash. If I would have known these principles beforehand, I mean, I'm serious, you guys. I, 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 ugh. the thought of facing God and how much money I have flushed down the toilet because of irresponsibility with my money. I was like, this is crazy. And I can honestly say in the last four or five years, everything has changed. Why did my actions change? Because my mind and my beliefs changed about money. And here's, you know, what's so cool is I have, and this is true, once you become more responsible with money, which you'll do once you realize it's God's, and you're going to be held accountable for it when you see him. <laughs> see, then you get more responsible. But here, you know what's cool? When you get more responsible with money, you get more money. Anybody else know that to be true? It's true. See, because when you're not responsible, it's leaking out all over the place and it's going to stuff that doesn't matter. And when you're responsible, all of a sudden, it's like you've thought it through. You've put together a budget. You know what you value and you're putting it towards that. And then the next thing you know, investments are actually happening because you're not just buying you know, meals here and entertainment there and doing whatever you want. You've actually thought it through and you're investing it, you're saving it, you're giving it away. You're impacting the world. See, this is really cool stuff. Once you can come to the understanding, everything I have, I've been given by God, 
and he's asked me to manage it, okay, then I'm going to be a really good steward. The next thing that happens is your resources actually get more powerful so that he can do even more in you and through you. And that leads us to the last thing I believe, that we believe here about money, about giving, and that's this. We believe that when we manage God's resources well, and when we steward them, when we know what his goals are, right? Then we believe we're investing in life. We believe we're investing in life. And you guys, this is huge because that's what God's all about. See, God is all about loving you, about loving this world, about righteousness, about justice. He cares so deeply And so in other words, if you were God's financial planner and he sat down to you and he said, okay, I want you to manage my money. And if you were a good manager and you sat down with God at your first meeting, what would you ask him? What would you ask him? What are your goals, God? Are you going to sit there and say, hey, this is awesome. Thanks, God. Let me tell you what I'm going to do with this. No, if you said, God, what are your goals? You know what he would say? I want to change the world. I want to impact this world. There's people dying of starvation. They're dying from dirty water. There's injustice. There's everything. Now take what I give you and go impact the world. Okay, God, all right. I got it. See, because we believe when we invest in what God's doing, it changes it. So here's what happens. We're investing in life. We're investing in other people's lives. Now, I want to just start there real quick because I want to share with you what we do with K2. Because what's wild is God, like how do you give God your resources? Well, the way he's designed it is he goes give it to the church or, or other ministries that exist. And some of you guys are going, no way. Churches, they, they're not good with their money. Churches uh, they abuse their money. Churches are not, faith, you know, whatever. They, all they want is my money, all that kind of stuff. And so I just want to share with you right now, just really quickly, if you give us a dollar, what do we do with it? so that you can know that. And I also want to tell you, if you ever want to know, you can, you, our books are wide open to you. You can look, if, you, if, you're, if you're that detailed and you want to follow every penny, you can. They're wide open. We, don't, we do audits, we're not going to hide anything. But let me just real quickly share with you what we do. And I, and I just want to tell you, like when Susie and I work on a budget, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll spend a few hours working on a budget. At K2, when we put our budget together, it takes days. It, it is grueling. The, 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 the arguments and the fighting, good fighting. You know what I'm talking about? You get in meetings. No, I'm serious. Good fighting. It comes in because what you're really doing, this is why I love the process, is you're discovering what you actually value. And then you're saying we're going to give money to what we value. So it's a really good process, okay? But I just want to tell you, and here's why we spent days and weeks, literally, on the budget. Because we know that we're being stewards of what you give. And that's huge to us. The second thing is, and even more importantly, is we know that we're going to stand before God someday. I'm going to stand before God. I know this. Not just about what I did with my own wallet, but what we did as a church with what people entrusted to us. So it matters to us. So here you go. Here's what we do. If you give us a dollar. Seven cents will go to the administration and the finance and the operations. Just nuts and bolts, just making this all happen. Okay? 2% goes to our Roots and Encounter, which is our college and our, our uh, young adult ministry. 18 cents, okay? It's a bigger one. 18 cents of every dollar you give goes to the ministry to our kids. Adventure Canyon, Vertical, and Fusion. We want to impact the kids in this church. We want to give them every opportunity 
to know Christ and to have the life he has from, from the very beginning. 2% goes to all of our communication. 2% goes to our connections, all of our welcome and greeting and stuff that happens. And here's our biggest one. Almost a quarter, 24% of what you give goes to our facilities. Okay, Not similar to you, right? Most of your money goes to your mortgage. You gotta pay for where you live. We have to pay for where we live. And so that involves this white building and all the classrooms, the red building over there and our south campus down south. 24% goes to our facilities. A dime, 10% of everything you give, we give outside of the normal operating expenses of this church. 10% goes, and it's split up between Honduras and, and Ethiopia and uh, Manila. It's to our K2X to take care of the needs within our community. It's, it's all the stuff that we do outside. We are committed to church planning, to helping new people that move in. We, just like you, give 10, God's saying, hey, give me 10% and give that away to the church. As a church, we want to also take 10% and give it away outside of ourselves. So you can know that every dime you, out of every dollar, a dime goes outside of what we do in then here. Uh, 16 cents goes to spiritual formation, uh, towards uh, community building, and towards the teaching here. Just the investment to say, we want to do whatever we can to help you grow in relationship with God and grow in relationship with each other. 16 cents. Uh, 5% goes to all the technical stuff. 13% goes to all the arts, which helps make Sunday morning happen. And then there's 1% mixed up in training, equipment, and travel. All different things like that. So there you go. That's when you know, and here's what I want to say to you. I, I just say, when you give a dollar here to K2, the cool thing that you can know, I believe with all my heart, is the money you're giving is investing in life. It's investing in life. You're investing in the children, so we're investing in our future. You're investing in our own community building and the spiritual formation of everybody in here. You're investing in the Sunday morning service where 1,600 people show up every Sunday, and you're investing in what we're doing in this community and in the world to change people's lives. So that's what we're committed to, and that's what happens, you guys. When you invest with God, it changes lives. And that's what we want to do here. And here's, here's the last thing, is it also changes your life. It changes your life. Here's a few ways. The first one is this. In that parable, when Jesus said that he gave five to one and two to one and one to the other, the guy who had five and two, you know what they did? They took the resources that God gave them and they invested them. And then they came back and they said, hey, you gave us five and I've got five more. And you know what Jesus says? This is so good. He goes, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Here's one thing that'll happen. Here's how it'll change your life is I know that God's eyes are looking to say, who will give what I give them? Who will give what I give them? The talents, the abilities, and the resources that he gives you. If you give them, he'll give you more. He will entrust you with more. And I don't even know if it's more money. I think what he's really saying is, okay, you've been faithful with that stuff. I'm going to give you true riches now to watch over. You guys, your life and being able to be an impact in this world is dependent on what your faithfulness is to God with what he gives you. But if you give, he's going to give you more. And that's awesome. Then you can know your life matters and you're making an impact in this world. And then the last thing he said was, he says, come and share in your master's happiness. Share in your master's happiness. And I want to tell you this. You want to be happy? You want to have a happy marriage? It's, 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 I know it's incredibly 
complicated. And yet, sometimes it's really simple. Outgive your spouse. Just love and give. And if both of you are doing that, it gets good. Share in happiness. See, a heart that's bent towards itself, that lives for itself, you don't get the blessing of the beauty of the relationships you could have. You don't get the freedom that there is and not having to worry about all your stuff because it's not yours in the first place. You can share in your master's happiness when you're generous and when you give. I, I, I say it again. It's really hard to meet a generous person who's miserable. Generous people are the happiest people you'll ever meet. Okay, so let me just give you a couple applications and then we'll bring up our worship. First one is this, real quick. In February, we're going to do financial peace and we're going to do a church-wide deal. And so just, just it's in February. I know it's, it's a couple months away, but I would just want to plant the seed right now. If you haven't taken this or taken some sort of course to help you to know how to manage your resources well, I really encourage you to be, when, the, when we start promoting it in the new year, to remember financial peace, okay? The second one is this. <clears throat> make a budget. Seriously, guys, make a budget. Um, can you guys imagine if K2 didn't have a budget? How many of you would give to the church if we didn't have a budget? <laughs> can you imagine? Hey, could you guys tell me what you do with your money? Uh, I don't really know. You know, we're having a good time, though. You know, I mean, it would be, I mean, it would just be horrible. And so, so you guys, one of the things you can do, if you make a budget... What it'll help you to do is you'll be able to go, oh, that's how I'm managing God's money. This is what I'm doing with it. And it will help you. You will, decide, you will find out what you value, which is, which is awesome and it's helpful. Man, if you don't know how to do a budget, call Eric Winter. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, you can. Or, or find somebody who's financially astute. Or there's resources everywhere to help you to do this. If Susie and I can do a budget, believe me, anybody can do a budget, okay? It can work, okay? Here's a third one, just real quick. Um, at K2, I just share with you everything that we want to do with our resources very broadly, but we have great visions of what God has called us to do to help impact your life and to impact the community around us. On a weekly basis right now, we're about five to 6,000 short a week, okay, from doing what God's asked us to do. Here's what's crazy. Another church did this. We kind of got this idea from them. They found out, <clears throat> and this was true, Eric ran the numbers here at K2, we have about 1,000 adults that show up on a Sunday morning. If every adult would give $5, I think I've got one. If every adult would give this, just $5 more, if you're giving already just $5 more, we would have everything we need to accomplish the vision that God has given us to impact this world. Mitch Menning, who's one of our leaders, he's sitting back here, he was, he was sitting in the meeting, he goes, oh my gosh, he goes, we're a latte away. <laughs> Isn't that, I mean, how, how many of you love lattes? Anybody else? Love, I mean, I love lattes. I mean, I throw these things like, I mean, they just, they go out every week, you know? Excuse me. I mean, I, I, and, and it was so funny. As soon as he said that, I just thought, one less latte? And I put that in here, and K2 can do everything it's supposed to do. You guys, I just want to encourage you. I know that's really small. That's not, it's not like, man, generous. But what it is, is it's like priming the pump, Right? It's just one little action. And I just want to ask you, would you consider just giving $5 more? Now, I know some of you, you can't do $5 because it, it's not the amount. Some of you, $5 is, is almost insulting because we're all different. God gave some five, some two, some one. So it's not about the amount, but it's amazing to me that nothing, nothing 
that we've dreamed of, that we feel like God has given us a vision for to impact the world and impact our own lives should not be happening if we all just gave a latte. We're a latte away. Okay, and here's the last one. It's Christmas time. And uh, I want to encourage you to sit down with your family. I know some of you already started shopping, but I want to encourage you, we're going to do this. We're going to sit down with our kids, and I'd love for you to look at your Christmas budget. Not, not your general budget. What you've put aside already that you're going to spend for Christmas. We did this a few years ago. And we sat down with our kids and we said, okay, you guys, here's what we're going to spend on Christmas. But there's people all around us who are not going to have any Christmas at all. Who aren't going to get any gifts. Who just, there's great needs everywhere. What percentage of our Christmas budget could we actually give? Uh, we did this about three years ago. And we encourage people to do 25% at that time. You can do whatever. But then it, basically what we were saying is, okay, so your kids only get three presents instead of four. I know, I know that sounds really intense. But if you think about that, three presents instead of four, and we could impact the whole community around us or the world. I know the little coffee shop I go to has a tree sitting there, and there's, there's single moms who are in a recovery process with, with their kids, and their names are sitting there on the Christmas tree just with gifts that they could have so somebody could have a Christmas. You guys, this stuff is everywhere around us. Adventconspiracy.org, I'm sorry, adventconspiracy.org will give you lots of ideas. Just right here at K2, our K2 Acts, the ministries that we do around the world and here in our own community. I'd encourage you to sit down with your kids and you know what you're going to find? Is your kids will want to be more generous than you. It's amazing. They love this stuff. What a great opportunity to prime the pump in their heart to say, hey, what can we give from our budget to those who are less fortunate? If we start doing that, those are just some ways, you guys. So so there you go. That's why we value giving. Because it impacts the world, because it impacts our own life, because God's stuff gets done. And I just want to encourage you, man, to grasp onto that. Hold onto that. Believe that everything you have, you've you've actually received from him so that you could be a steward of his stuff And I think this world will be different. And I think you and I will be too. It's pretty awesome. So the worship team is going to come out and out. And um, as they do, Sally, this is a great worship set. I saw her last night. And she kind of just shared with me the flow of thought through this worship. And how we want to start off, you guys, is we're going way back to what I said at the very beginning. We have to remember that everything that we have has come from a God who loves us and a God who's worthy, a God who loves the world, who wants to impact the world, a God who wants to impact you. And so we're just going to start there and just bask in who he is to remind ourselves, like, God, you are so good to me. Thank you for all you've given me. Help me to have the same type of heart. So let's stand together and uh, let's begin our worship.